Hello, and welcome to the Transcending CRM podcast, a show where we explore how the Salesforce ecosystem has impacted the careers of fellow trailblazers and the businesses that have leveraged dynamic growth in the platform. This podcast is brought to you by Silverline. Silverline is a Salesforce digital transformation consultancy headquartered in New York City, specializing in financial services, media and entertainment, and healthcare industries. I'm your host, JP Owens, Managing Director of Banking and Lending at Silverline, along with my co-host, Elliot Spence, Principal Consultant at Silverline. Hey, Elliot, are you excited to talk about the new release? I am. Always excited to dive into the new release, and we have a great guest with us today to help talk us through everything. Yeah, we have a special episode for everyone today where we will be discussing some of the top items coming with the Spring 23 release. To discuss the Spring release, we are joined by Gina. Gina is a Director and a Principal Consultant in Banking and Lending here at Silverline. Gina has been in the Salesforce ecosystem for many years and specializes in financial services. Gina, do you want to hop in and give a quick introduction and tell everybody about your background and and how long you've been at Silverline? Yeah, sure, JP. So I'm Gina Rotenberg, and I'm a principal consultant here. I've been working with Silverline for about two years. Prior to that, I had over 10 years of experience in the financial services industry, working primarily in the lending area. And I have been very excited to work with a number of different clients here at Silverline between credit unions and banks, all helping them implement Financial Services Cloud and Encino. So it's been a great experience. Yeah, so today's episode recently, Salesforce released the Spring 23 notes. Most of your sandbox has been upgraded to Spring 23. If they have not yet, I definitely highly recommend jumping in and just getting your your hands dirty a little bit and what's been released. I'm someone that always jumps in and spins up that pre-release org and tests all the functionality as soon as it comes out, and I'm always excited to see what's next. So we're excited today to talk through everything that's been released with everybody. Awesome. So one of my favorite things to talk about, and and Elliot, you'll appreciate this because back in the day, we used to call you the the director of reports and dashboards. Um, So I know you're very passionate about this Terrible nickname. Terrible. (laughs) But, But as we think about reporting and dashboards, it's one of the best tools in the platform for business users and leadership who have invested in the platform to really start to see value and, and better manage their their business. So is there anything our listeners should be aware of with the Spring 23 release on reports and dashboards? Yeah, absolutely. The, the biggest thing that jumps to mind is, and I know Gina's used to doing this, JP, you're used to doing this, is being able to personalize the report filters. It's something that used to always be custom, where thinking of banking and lending, you know, my referral or referral I sent or something like that. It's it's a field you would have to go create on lead or an opportunity. You have to go create a custom field on opportunity to be able to customize these. Well, that's no more. We now have personalized report filters where you can just filter by user. So whoever's viewing that report and it makes it really easy and it just knocks out all of those custom fields you have to you used to have to build. Another thing is subscribing to reports and dashboards has been increased to 15, used to be 10. So when building out your reports and dashboards, if it's something that you wanna subscribe or subscribe others to, you're limited to 10. So that number has been bumped to 15. Those two are probably the, the biggest ones that I'm excited about, especially personalizing the report filters. You can also now add rich text and graphics to your lightning dashboards. So thinking about your your bank you're working for or credit union or any company if you want to add your company logo or something like that to the or to the lightning dashboard you can embed that graphic on there that's something that you do need to contact salesforce support to turn that on the last two um, there's now more dashboard filters it's a beta thing so if you're building out your dashboard it used to be limited to three It's beta, it's now increased to five. So you have five different filters that you can put onto your dashboards. 
This is also something that you need to contact Salesforce support to turn on currently because it is beta. And finally, adding your reports and dashboards to collections. These are even the reports and dashboards that are not in the same folder. So if there's like a collection or a grouping of reports and dashboards that you're constantly utilizing, they're not in the same folders. You can add those to your own personalized collections to be able to click quickly access those while you're in the system. That's going to be great for people, Elliot, because, you know, so often we create folders to manage things like sharing. And now people can create sort of their custom view of what they use most frequently. I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy that feature. Yeah, it's something that once we start really utilizing it, I'm going to really start to see the value of it. But it's I saw a lot of use cases for all of those right away. Yeah, definitely. That's a lot of great items for reports and dashboards. I definitely see a lot of use with the increased filters and personalized report filters. Changing pace, Gina, can you tell us what we can expect from a general admin perspective? What has changed or what is coming um, that will help other admins out there? Yeah, sure, JP. So you know, the big thing, we've been hearing about it for a really long time now, but it's finally in effect. Multi-factor authentication, auto-enablement. The requirement went into effect on February 1st. Uh, everybody needs to use MFA when logging into Salesforce and starting in spring of 23 and throughout 23, Salesforce will be auto enabling MFA for direct logins. So this has been something that admins have been preparing for. People have been taking advantage of single sign on and other tools to get uh, this ready for their users. But if you've been dawdling, it's going to be done for you, whether you like it or not at this point. So please keep an eye out for that. Another big item that's out there is an enhanced experience around importing contacts and leads with a guidance now. So this is going to be something that will make it a little bit easier for end users to do those imports, uh, a little bit more intuitive for them. Admins do need to enable this in setup by turning on basic data import. Another thing that if anybody's logged into their Spring 23 org, you, you're probably going to see this almost right away, and that's the Dynamic Activity Composer. Uh, we've all been used to sort of our basic log a call, write, make a task type buttons, but all of a sudden things look very different in this you know, fairly standardized area of Salesforce because we now have a change in how this appears. There's a drop down and more actions are available. There's some pop-ups happening. And so uh, this is gonna be a little bit of a change. A lot of people out there are not necessarily expecting this in the end users. So we do need to make them aware um, from a training perspective, what's out there. And if a lead or a contact has more than one email address, you now can pick which email you're going to send things to. So that's actually a great, a great option as well. You're not just forced down a path. Another big uh, new feature out there is task and event field history tracking. Uh, you can now track up to six fields. So users can see what's changed uh, whether in their tasks, their related tab for tasks and events. This has to be enabled in the event object and the task object in object manager. But previously we couldn't track field history. So this is this is going to be something really useful as people have sometimes really built out their tasks to capture more data than just the basics. Another big piece coming our way is choosing permission sets when you're setting field level security. This is a beta feature. It needs to be enabled in setup under user management settings. And this is really important because this is part of the foundation for what Salesforce recently announced as the end of life of permissions on profiles. 
which is going to be in spring of 26. And so as time goes by, field level security is no longer going to be handled through profiles, but through permission sets. And for us to be able to do that, when we create a field, we're gonna wanna be able to associate it with specific permission sets. And so that's what this new feature is all about. Admins should begin moving towards providing permission users, permission sets and permission set groups um, and moving away from just creating lots and lots of profiles. Another one that's near and dear to my heart that I'm personally really excited for is dynamic forms for cases and leads. So I was recently on a project where we had to do 60 different record types for cases, all because we just couldn't have sort of conditional rendering in a, in a convenient fashion on the page for those page layouts. And we can now take advantage of the dynamic forms for cases and leads. This is now joining the, uh, the other standard objects of account, person account, contact opportunity, and custom objects. And it's actually a little ahead of schedule because I wasn't expecting this until the summertime. So we're, we're really looking forward to being able to tailor people's case experience using that. Also, dynamic actions for standard objects is now generally available. And dynamic related lists view all is available. This was a this was a bit of a gap before with the dynamic related lists, uh, where previously you weren't able to click on that view all when you wanted to, uh, but that's now been added back into our dynamic related lists. So good stuff there. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, they choose permission sets when you know setting field level security. So you're building a field out, and now instead of profiles, you can also see you know the permission sets that you can add that field to. As Gina said, just a reminder that is a beta, and it's something that you need to turn on and set up under user management settings. I highly recommend turning that on right away and just getting in the habit of doing that because, as she said, Spring 26, Salesforce you know announced that field level security and object level security in profiles is end of life spring 26. So just go ahead and get ahead of the game and start setting all that up now. And multi-factor authentication, the auto enablement. So if you've been avoiding that, go ahead and start the processing. Just get that set up so your users are not disrupted because Salesforce is just gonna force it on you. And then you're gonna get all kinds of calls from your users about what's going on. So just get ahead of the game and turn that on. But there's a lot of great stuff in there from the admin and general user's perspective that's been released with this release. The other one is the Dynamic Activity Composer. That's one that I know both people on the podcast today, JP and Gina, I took a screenshot and sent it to both of you because it's not something I read. I was just in there messing around. I'm like, what is this? This has changed. Just get your make sure your users are aware of that change because if not, it's not a big hindrance. It's just something that they're not going to be expecting and they're going to put in those service tickets like, what changed? How do I log a call? Well, it's still there. You can still do it. It's just a different layout. So get ahead of the game and make sure they're aware that that's coming. For sure. And Elliot, let's talk about financial services cloud. I mean, we we always talk about banking or financial services as a whole, and that is one of the most mature industry clouds. And we obviously have most of our clients working within financial services cloud. So we had seen quite a bit of new features over the last several releases. Is spring 23 the same? And what can we look for uh, in the spring 23 release specifically related to financial services cloud? Yeah, definitely. There's, you know, with every release, there's, you know, definitely going to be some enhancements and things changing. And that's, you know, nothing different about financial services cloud. Uh, the first one, and we've been seeing a lot of changes with this within the recent releases is the actionable relationship center. A lot of you using FSC may refer to that as the ARC. 
So you can now customize the arc graph to show fields from multiple objects. So it used to be very limited on the arc graph of what you could show, but now you can show fields from multiple objects. So if you have things like, you know, a, a person in a relationship and they have opportunities or referrals, you can show information from those multiple objects about that person or about that business on the arc graph. Also with Spring um, 23, recently you've heard that Omni Studio is now included with FSE, you can now use Omni Scripts and Flex Cards in the Arc to give your users the ability to complete common tasks like updating household members or maybe you need to verify a call or verify a caller or uh, send a referral, things like that. So there's those common tasks that you're generally jumping around in the system to complete. You can use Omni Studio, build out some Omni Scripts and Flex Cards right within the Arc so that if somebody's in the Arc and they want to quickly add members of the household, send a referral, different things utilizing people that are in that actual relationship center or information that's in there, you can do that with Omni Studio. You can also now customize field labels in the art graph, such as relabeling accounts to relationships or accounts to entities. That's something that is very common on every FSE project that you relabel accounts, but when you go into the art, it still says accounts instead of relationships and entities. Not a huge impact, more of an annoyance, but now you can easily relabel those so that it's it's consistent within your organization. Uh, the second one would be integration definitions. This is something that was kind of hinted at uh, Dreamforce this year. You now have the ability to quickly set up integrations with different external endpoints and leveraging integration definitions across Salesforce. You know, this is like a more of a low code interface to define integrations with different external endpoints um, for various use cases. Um, you can then call these integration definitions in a large process organization, and it's just all about making it very simple for you to build out different integrations within Salesforce. If this is something that you're interested in learning more about or setting up within your system, it's just within setup, what you're on Spring 23, that is, within setup, you just do a quick find search for integration definitions to get started setting those up. And the last one, and this could be something that is extremely useful to just about everybody that uses uh, Financial Services Cloud is the ability to view real-time account and financial account information using Salesforce's data consumption framework. So you can use, now use the data consumption frame, framework to get and view updates for a client's financial account details and their transactions using the data consumption framework to connect Salesforce to your core banking system. This all uses MuleSoft and some of those integration definitions that we were just talking about. To set this up, it's within setup, and then you have to enable and turn on real-time financial account information and connect Salesforce to MuleSoft. And then after doing that, you create your necessary integration definitions, and you can pull that real-time financial account information, the real-time financial account transactions right into Salesforce and view those within Salesforce and give your users the ability to easily service our clients in that way. So balance updates during the day, Elliot, no more waiting for the nightly batch type of thing. That's correct. All real time, all using MuleSoft and integration definitions. Nice. There's some useful enhancements for FFC. I am really a big fan of some of the real time account updates. And I also think the Omni Studio, I know it's a couple of releases now since it's been out there, almost going back a year plus since it's been available for most FFC users, is still something I, I don't think many have dove into and really understand what they can do with it and how they can start to leverage it in their day-to-day -day activities. Um, so looking forward to hearing more about that. 
Uh, Elliot or Gina, it seems like each release that more and more functionality is being added to Flow. And speaking of Omni Studio versus Flow, that could be a whole other episode. No kidding. Um, is this the same uh, in Spring 23? And what could we expect to see? Uh, yeah, I, you know what, Elliot, I'll take that one because uh, I am a Flow fanatic, uh, as everyone knows. So in uh, in Spring 23, we definitely have some great options out there for Flow. First of all, just a reminder, workflow rules have gone away, and we are now getting ready to see the retirement of old faithful process builders as well. But in this release, uh, Salesforce has thrown us some options to permit us to more readily convert process builders into flows just like we could workflow rules previously. This is only supporting record triggered flows at this time, not custom event and custom invocable type processes or any processes containing scheduled actions or custom metadata types. So your mileage may vary, but it is an option out there for you guys to do the quick convert on some of your more basic process builders. So you can get ahead of the curve on that requirement as well. Um, also, wow. The, there's been a reduction, uh, uh, excuse me, a removal of the limit of 2000 elements in a flow. That was a longstanding issue that we had. Uh, if you had complex flows, especially ones that were running over a number of records, you might run out. Um, it's one of those old limits that we would have. And so it's really exciting to see that's gone. Also in dynamic forms for flow, you can set up a lookup field and create a record directly from inside of the flow. This used to be something we had to do through a lot of extra steps, but we now can have just to put a lookup field on the screen flow, create a new record directly from that lookup field if you can't find the record you're looking for. And so with that regular lookup component, really nice streamlined user experience there. Another big one I have always been a fan of, and there's been some third-party approaches to doing this in the past was, but now it's generally available. It's selecting multiple records from a table in a screen flow. So your users can be presented with a grid. They can select which records they want the flow to take action on. And uh, that was re released in a previous release, but uh, now it's generally available. New features since it was in beta include the ability to preview, preview the data table and its columns in Screen Builder and configuration accessibility improvements and composite field support, such as name or address fields. Those were not things we could utilize before. And then next, the, the ability to select multiple options in dynamic forms for flow. You can select multiple options from a multi-select pick list, so that's good stuff. Can You can use multi-select pick lists with a checkbox group or with multi-select choice components. Another thing that's kind of helpful for us admins and makes us all a little more streamlined experience for us is that we can now see element descriptions on the flow canvas through a little pop-up. And so we're able to now view what the elements description is all about rather than having to click and open the element to read it. So that's going to be um, helpful and efficient in our building process. And then finally, you know, we have the, the new ability, it's in beta at this point, to select a record from a predetermined list with a choice lookup component. You can easily find records using the autocomplete functionality using the new choice lookup option. You do need to create a collection choice set or a record choice set resource to store the list of records from Salesforce or Apex defined types. And then you add that lookup component and specify which set you created. So lots of fun stuff in Flow. This is one of those episodes where I feel like we should have had you all sharing your screen and just walking through some of this for the for the average listener. They're going to be like, this is there's so much. How do you guys all keep it straight? So much stuff. By getting in and playing around in a pre-release org. 
before it all happens. The convert process builders of flow, we kind of figured this was happening, uh, this release, but that's one of the things we wanted to call out. Hey, it's only record triggered flows right now that you can convert process builders of flow, uh, not custom event, not custom invocable type processes, or anything containing scheduled actions. You cannot convert those yet. So just record triggered flows, but always a lot of great stuff being released with flow i know a lot of listeners are probably still hesitant and nervous about getting into flow like oh it's all scary and we're used to process builder flow is getting more and more simple with every release if if there's ever been a time to jump in and start learning it and start utilizing it it's now it's yesterday you know so just start with record trigger flows they're extremely easy the salesforce has done so much to make them extremely user friendly and i highly encourage everybody to get in and just start using it because you have to. Once process builders are gone, which is going to be very soon, you can't. You have to use Flow. Yeah, I think you know this. The fact that you can convert your process builders now is going to help people get over that learning curve. Because if you've been familiar with your process builder and you press a button and now you see what it looks like in Flow, it's not going to be so scary because you're going to look at the Flow and say, "Oh, I recognize what it's doing. It's the same as my process builder, just on a different screen." So I, I think that's going to help a lot of people uh, to get over that initial hurdle of of the intimidation factor. Yeah, this is all great stuff. I knew there would be a lot to go into with Flow, and you would all know everything about it, which clearly you do. Is there anything else you'd want to mention that is coming with Spring 23? So three, there are two big things that are now generally available. Bulk deleting and uh, in, active pick list values is now GA, and as well as bulk managing pick list values. They were beta release, the last Salesforce release. Something that is super helpful, anybody that's managed pick lists or fields that are pick lists with hundreds of values or something, and you have to go through and manually delete one by one, you can now bulk manage those. So that's awesome. Another thing that isn't really getting a lot of press, but I think it's awesome, is configurable search, or you can configure searchable fields by user profiles for use in Einstein search. And Gina, I'm sure you remember this on one of the recent projects we were on, when you search using Einstein search, different people may want to see different values pop up. And so like thinking of banking, a commercial lender, when they search, wants to see different things than a retail lender or a mortgage lender. You can now set those up by user profile. So we know profile, the field level security is going away, but profiles are still going to be in heavy use for things like this. So if certain users want to see certain things when they search in Einstein search, you can now go into setup and configure what fields will pop up or what fields are utilized when they search using Einstein search. So that's more power to the admins and you can configure those right within the profiles. That sounds like a lot going on. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. And Elliot, I know you wanted to have one more question, but we're going to have two more. So I'm going to ask this one. But before I do, Gina, if you've listened to the show, we do ask all of our guests to share a fun fact or like an unbelievable story. So I'm going to give you a minute to think about that, but we're not letting you leave until you answer that one. So second to last question, Elliot, what would admins or others do when releases are upcoming? How do you stay on top of what is what is coming and prepare for it? So I'm a, I'm a huge nerd with it. So as soon as the release notes come out, I mean, they're hundreds of pages long. I don't read the whole thing. I dive into immediately what's coming for admins and general users, what's coming for financial services cloud, what's coming for Flow, and what's potentially coming for Omni Studio. I mean, that's a newer thing for me, but I dive into that as well. And I do read all of those. I also spin up a pre-release org that has the new release in it and start messing around with some of the, the, some of the new features. 
And then I'm always looking and reading blogs and potentially podcasts like Transcending CRM where we talk about things like this and also YouTube videos. Salesforce does a great job recording videos that are tailored towards admin, developer, general user, financial services cloud, health cloud, um, all the different clouds. And they release videos that are tailored to that use case and go through what's in there. So while I don't read the entire, you know, several hundred, 500 plus page release notes, I read what, what is going to impact me on a daily basis and then practice and just get around and mess around with it. And I know people don't have the time to do all those things. So, you know, reading blogs and watching the YouTube videos around what's coming is going to be plenty to get you at least familiar with what's coming and what can impact your users. I definitely encourage everybody to do those things. Yeah, it's great. I know there's so many options out there and so many tools that people can get into. And yeah, I know there's so many resources out there that you can jump into to really get your hands around what's coming and even what's been out there for a little while. And some of our previous guests like Frank Gillen um, also do a lot to show videos and, and really walk people through some of the features that maybe people are less comfortable with or maybe haven't found the right use case for. So lots of things people can use to, to get up to speed. So now we're on the final question. And I'll I'll keep giving you a chance to think about it. But we started this back with like our second or third guest as we rebooted it. And we asked, like, tell us a fun fact, almost like an icebreaker or unbelievable story. And so we had like our first episode we rebooted with Mark Jondu. He talked about his salsa dancing classes. Tony Stegeman talked to us about how he is a certified alligator wrestler. Um, so it <laughs> That's can, awesome. <laughs> it really can be anything. But All how, right. how, how do we get to know you a little bit better? Tell us a fun fact or an unbelievable story that people just don't know about you. All a fun, a fun fact was I accidentally crossed the border into Moldova once, but not exactly because I was in Moscow and I was visiting. Uh, I was once upon a time a, a Russian major. And and so I do speak Russian uh, because that's my husband's family. And at one point I was in the city of Moscow and we were looking for a good restaurant and thought we were going to eat at a Moldovan restaurant. But turns out we crossed the border into the Moldovan embassy and ended up eating at their restaurant. So I like to tell people that I accidentally went to Moldova one day. Was there a small panic as this happened? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, we were accompanied by someone who had left Moldova as a refugee at one point and was not so happy to be crossing back in. But now all was good. All was good. So. Well, great. I, think, I appreciate that. I think being that. able to speak Russian is a fun fact in itself. It is. It is fun. It is fun. Yeah. Although th these days it's it's um it's not as much fun as it used to be. But we're we're transitioning <laughs> in my house to Ukrainian at this point. So. Well, thank you, Gina. Appreciate you jumping on. Thank you, Elliot, for for helping organize this one. I know this one was a little bit different than what we've done lately, but I think extremely valuable to the listeners and a good way to hopefully keep this going as all the releases are coming out to give people something to look ahead to or or maybe what to prioritize as they go through the massive releases. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. To learn more about Silverline, you can subscribe to Silverline blog at silverlinecrm.com or follow on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at Silverline CRM, one word. Thanks again for joining us today.